Hi everyone, welcome to That Depends Podcast. I am Rishabh and I am as usual joined with my co-host Vasudev. Today we have a special guest with us, uh, Uday Bedi, who is actually a practicing advocate and also a practitioner who's challenged the intermediary guidelines, part two of the intermediary guidelines. Why his challenge is important is because it's not a public interest litigation. He's not taken a larger cause. His statement is that his rights are being infringed and therefore he has filed this present petition. And I think details of the challenge will be explained by Vasu. Hi, everybody. So I think Uday's challenge is extremely interesting to all of us because the intermediary guidelines ultimately allow social media companies to take down huge amounts of speech, and that's user speech. So ultimately, our own freedom of expression rights are being infringed by these rules. However, companies like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter may not really be incentivized to challenge these portions of the intermediary guidelines that actually make their lives easier because it allows them to really vast amounts of speech. So I think ultimately the question is of whether or not the intermediary guidelines infringe our freedom of expression as internet users will more likely be determined in petitions like Kudes than in petitions that are instigated by say Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or WhatsApp. And um, just by way of a quick update, in the episode, we talk about whether or not WhatsApp will challenge uh, the intermediary guidelines. And since recording the episode, they have challenged um, the intermediary guidelines. However, they've only challenged rule 4.2 of the guidelines, which um, regulates whether or not they're required to trace first originators. And I think that's a great example of how um, social media companies may challenge provisions of the guidelines that make life more difficult for them, but may not necessarily challenge provisions of the guidelines that restrict users' speech. And that's why I think Uday's petition is so important. Hi, Uday. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, I don't know if, if all our listeners remember that in our last episode, when we were discussing intermediary guidelines, we were joined with Mr. Sajjan Pavaya. And he had specifically said that these acts, uh, these rules, sorry, are an issue not are an issue of individuals' fundamental rights. And this is how we should look at. And individuals should actually come and start challenging these rights. Luckily, we are joined by Uday Vedi, who challenged this in a debt petition in the Delhi High Court. So I think before we start, Uday, we would just like to know that what is this challenge and what made you make this challenge in the Delhi High Court? Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, so what I have challenged is the two particular rules of the IT rules 2021, rules three and rule four that are the subject matter of my petition that I have filed before Delhi High Court. And so the act, the rules that have come into force are basically divided into two, broadly two chapters. One chapter deals with the conduct of the various social media users over platforms like WhatsApp, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Okay, that is the first chapter which contains the rules three and four, okay, which is what I am challenging. And there's part two of uh, the rules which has got more to do with uh, websites such as The Wire, The Quint, etc. You know, those websites who publish news. So that part of the rules is concerned only with them and my part, the petition, my petition challenges only part rule three and four. Now, the reason why I went ahead uh, with challenging these rules 
was um, it's actually you know when we were back in college we that judgment came out in 2016 i was yet to graduate the judgment of shreya singhal i'm sure you guys have read that judgment you know so when it came out we actually saw it and read it with so much enthusiasm we knew that she's a law student and you know somebody has challenged something and you know it's really interesting to read so i read it at that time and it just somehow has always you know stuck with me as to what happened in that judgment and all of those things so one key aspect of that judgment was there's a challenge among various other sections it's usually known for challenging section 66a on freedom of speech and expression right that was struck down in uh, in the judgment this is also another very important factor which is section 69 subsection 3 that was also subject of challenge in that particular petition and what that section allowed was that it the language of that section was slightly vague and it allowed for social media intermediaries such as whatsapp instagram etc to take down information in case they felt that something was wrong or if they received intimation from a court or the government okay so that aspect was challenged that these bars are too broad now the court what the court held in that instance was that the only case in which that particular section can be considered as constitutional is if we read down this aspect of the section which says that they can do it voluntarily that if they receive a complaint from a private individual that there is a certain post that offends me or is against the it act or the rules that the private social media intermediary could take it down that particular aspect was struck down it was held that it is only if there is a court order or there is an order from the government body to take a particular piece of information down from their server right that was the only limited scope till which that section was held to be constitutional okay so that somehow always stuck with me that okay fine these are the powers of the social media intermediaries and when this these rules came out and when i saw them and i read them in detail the first time i read them i didn't really realize you know that okay fine i thought that they are okay but then when i properly read them gave it a very good read i realized that they have brought back the same powers that had been specifically struck down by the supreme court and that is what prompted me to challenge these rules that you know they have clearly overruled what shreya singhal wanted to do right um i think that's super interesting because um obviously we have read your petition and it's while it's very very lengthy one of the key grounds that we definitely focused on was uh the fact that the the rules expressly seek to overrule the judgment in shreya singhal um we in our last conversation when we spoke to uh, mr sajjan puvea he mentioned that there are sort of three buckets of um content that intermediaries deal with on a day to day basis so he talked about uh, content that is immediately on the face of it illegal um so something like child pornography or nudity or something like that the second bucket he talked about was um material that's disputed so for example a post that's allegedly defamatory right and the third kind of information is information that the government may not want 
uh, the government may have an interest in restricting, so say national security. Now, what you just mentioned, um, Shreya Singhal, clearly, I think most explicitly applies to the second bucket, right? So questions of um, defamation. So for example, if I post something that's allegedly defamatory against Rishabh, um, then like under Shreya Singhal, um, the intermediary is not required to take that down merely because Rishabh says it's defamatory, right? Um, but I just wanted your opinion on um, the other two buckets, right? Um, because if, if a court order is always required, then, for example, uh, in cases of expressly nude uh, or expressly offensive material that anybody can see is illegal, right? Um, do you think that people should still be required to go to a court in those situations? Or would we maybe want to give intermediary some ability to take down content in those situations? Yeah, so that's, I have two answers to that. First is actually a rather funny example that deals with your first category of cases of child pornography. Uh, so I was a few days ago, I had met a friend and she told me that over Instagram, she had shared a joke with a friend. There was a photograph. Okay. Which so we, you know, popularly call it as dark humor, right? It was just a small boy and then a small girl on top of him. Okay. There was no other content. There was no attempt to pornography, nothing at all. Okay. That person's account was taken down. All posts were deleted, everything. She lost complete access to her Instagram account. Okay. So essentially, I mean, we, what we need to understand is as to how much power are we supposed to give to these intermediaries? Because what these rules don't provide for is the fact that who is this person who's deciding these things? It is in fact the central reason why, you know, I had a real problem with these rules was that there is no description of who is it who's going to decide whether a particular content is right or not, whether it borderlines on child pornography or whether it is humorous. You know, whether it is detrimental or whether it is not. The rule says somebody senior. I mean, a senior peer could also be somebody who could do it. Right. And they don't even require, from my understanding of the rules, they don't even require that person to be in India. Somebody abroad who's not a resident of India is going to decide whether Indian laws are right or not, whether they have been followed or not. Right. So that was my issue. So, in so far as I agree that to a certain extent, intermediaries should be given that power. In fact, there is a particular rule that talks about immediate taking down of, uh, you know, child pornographic material, etc. I have not made that as a challenge in my petition. I have left that out because I thought that perhaps there is some reason to it. Okay. Maybe mm -hmm. after deliberation, I may still feel that that is also wrong. But in my petition, I have not focused on that. Because mm -hmm. I felt that perhaps there may be some merit in that particular rule being there. Although there is slight difficulty there as well, because what the rules say is that you have to, that the intermediary is going to employ artificial intelligence to deal with it. Right. So once again, you know, there, there are both pros and cons. There are cons of having artificial intelligence do this kind of things. You know, it takes away the entire aspect of the gray area, you know, the blurring of lines between white, gray and black. 
so that is yeah. a, a problematic issue there as well and as far as you as far as your third condition is concerned which is on national security etc in fact i have stated so in my petition that look my objection to these rules can only be to the since i am i am asking for protection of my freedom of speech right article 191g right now article 191a sorry i the restrictions on my right are also there in the constitution right now my point is that in so far as these rules are restricted to that end i can have no issue but the problem is these rules go beyond those categories which are stated in article 192 and which is where the challenge kicks in that unless you amend article 192 include those grounds you can't have these rules which have conditions over and above what the constitution allows for yeah i think i also want to circle back to the example you gave because that like even though that broadens our discussion a bit i think that's very very interesting so if i send you a personal message and that's a personal conversation and we, okay we agree that you know that message i sent is offensive and that may be in that gray area but now what these rules are effectively allowing do you feel what these rules will allow is that a private chat between two individuals is also being constantly monitored i think i know that you've you've discussed it with respect yeah, yeah. to whatsapp in your this thing in your repetition but in this, this is a very interesting example because now any action that i take in my private messages so my private thoughts effectively are being challenged i think that's a very interesting part exactly in fact there are two uh, you know clauses in the rules itself which show that there is constant surveillance of communication first is with respect to powers of significant social media intermediaries such as whatsapp okay that's particularly rule 4 what that allows is for whatsapp to identify the first originator of a message right now all these uh, whatsapp telegram etc they're supposed to be encrypted conversations right that's what their uh, privacy policy says right now what needs to be explained is and because there is absolute lack of clarity on how it is going to happen right the government has no stand on it whatsapp clearly says that everything is encrypted we can't read anything so question becomes how are they going to identify who is the first originator and of what message you know if i send something derogatory to you and say you may may not send it to vasudev right now whether you have further sent it to somebody or whether i i in fact received it from you in the first place right for that to happen they'll have to go through every chat of yours until and unless they don't see where else that message has been shared they will not be able to find out who's the first originator so that was my first cue about you know that was the first reason why i thought maybe this is about constant surveillance that was number 1 the second aspect of it which is that in rule there is a proviso to rule 31d okay one well, it's the third proviso i believe to that rule which says that there's you know they have introduced the word on a voluntary basis so posts can be taken down if the court orders or there is a order from the government or on a voluntary basis now how is it voluntary basis right how what do you mean by voluntary basis it cannot happen until and unless you are watching what i am doing 
right so either they come out and explain what does it mean yeah okay um I, so i just have sort of two quick questions one on the traceability and one on what you just mentioned which is on a voluntary basis so um just circling back to the petition on traceability you mentioned that the government doesn't really have a stand on how it's going to operationalize this and that really seems to be the stalemate right um whatsapp says it can't be done without breaking end to end encryption and the government says it potentially can be so just in terms of um as a as a lawyer who's actually filed the petition do you see this as being a sort of potential roadblock um in that um how how does the court adjudicate a question like this where the government has basically said that we don't know how we're going to do it but we are going to do it right um and how how does the court sort of deal with that kind of a situation do we wait for the government to come up with a way in which case the petition could be i mean sitting in court for many years um so i'm just curious about that the second question i had was um on the voluntary basis uh one one potential way to read a voluntary basis for example in my head would be um if a user flagged it right so i'm a social media company and i don't need to monitor everybody's posts um to find out if it's say potentially uh either child pornography or defamatory it's only when a user flags it right and it may not be a private notice right but it just might be that i report content like all these social media companies allow me to report content and then i take a a voluntary call and say okay no this content is wrong and so i agree completely that this also falls into the problem of the power we give to social media companies but i'm just wondering if that's one possible understanding of a voluntary basis yeah yeah so okay so to the first question my response would be that till the time the government doesn't come and answer as to how they're going to go about it i think if the government takes that stand that itself is grounds good enough to stay these rules because today they have come out with rules which they have no mechanism to implement right and in in the absence of that mechanism which is secure which is safe which ensures the rights are protected the rules must be stated at that very moment because that is the very definition of arbitrary right you're doing something you've passed a law without even realizing that you have no means to implement them right mm-hmm. and whatsapp to my mind i don't know how because their entire you know campaign is all about privacy that's what their privacy policy is about i mean i don't really see how whatsapp is going to say okay fine you know we'll we'll open our messages for this jurisdiction precisely you know i don't see how whatsapp is going to respond to that in fact there was news that even whatsapp had challenged the same rules although That's i feel it. that petition has not yet been you know listed before the court i may be wrong at least by the time that i had filed whatsapp's petition hadn't been listed yet mm-hmm. okay so but i am assuming that they have also raised a similar challenge by saying that you know we will be i, I mean i am completely assuming it right now that whatsapp will also say that look we will have to open all the chats there is no other way to do it and that is i am also certain that that is a burden that even whatsapp will not want to take mm-hmm. we are a huge population i mean they don't want to keep going to all of our conversations the entire time that's not what their job is so yeah so that is the answer to the first question the second question yes you are right that a possible way of doing it could be that you flag it 
now my answer to that is that number one if that is the case it should be clarified that is number one yeah. because ultimately the rules can't be weighed right mm -hmm. number two once again going back to the same issue user flagging it a user flagging a particular content is exactly what shreya single set out to you know strike down that a user is not going to decide or tell a private intermediary that look i find this objectionable so you take it down right that is precisely what was struck down so unless you change the law unless you amend section 69 once again right which allows for private intermediaries to take down posts these rules are bad till the time that section is not amended in fact there was a judgment also uh, uh, of the supreme court in that jallikattu case so there is a series of cases with respect to jallikattu tradition in south india right so in 2014 it was you know the practice of jallikattu was once you know uh, abolished that you know it can't be allowed to go on because it leads to animal cruelty etc right now after that also what they did was without adhering to what the judgment said there were fresh notifications that went out okay which essentially went back to the same position supreme court has struck them down saying that look you honor what we have said if we have struck down something you honor it your new rules must remain within the bounds that we have issued already there are numerous cases like that where supreme court has held that look you cannot without amending the law without making that foundational change in the law you cannot by way of a subordinate legislation do things like this and take away the rights so therefore even if on a voluntary basis you are allowing a so a user to flag an issue the problem remains the same and i think another issue with user flagging which i was just thinking right now is that because it, first part of these rules is that that might be ai used to adjudicate upon these issues like not a human person adjudicating upon and then ai is basically be trained by user flagging so effectively every user is flagging a post that they find offensive that can just yeah. lead to like brute majoritarianism of opinion on these web web sharing that's a issue that so all these issues when that's the thing was if not discussed in detail these issues may seem like a hyperbole but if you really start yeah. looking at these rules and you really start looking at you know how these rules will actually work you start realizing that these examples are may, may not be hyperbole and they may not they may actually be the case that will happen by the end of it yeah correct and i think just one more um, thing on the the sort of user flagging i mean just pure statistics in terms of what happens with user flagging the way i understand it is if i have 500 followers on instagram which probability of me getting reported is very minimal but if i have 25 million followers on instagram the chances of me getting reported are extremely high so sure. automatically you have that sort of asymmetry where people who are sort of either public figures or who have more followers uh, on social media automatically just get flagged a hell of a lot more and then there are certain say darker corners where there may be more offensive content but because it's circulated in closed circles um, it doesn't get flagged at all so that's always one problem with with that kind of a system yeah because yeah, i think yeah. facebook has that group it's called it's has it has a dark humor group called uh, the tomb of dark humor that's effectively just very dark jokes but nobody's reporting those jokes so the ai is never figuring out that something wrong is going on so then you'll allow these pockets within a larger sphere of social media to exist which is also a problem correct correct i think uh, another question that i wanted to ask you 
was that uh, you dealt in between but i think uh, the aspect is that these rules are actually not in place so effectively there is no real right that's being infringed right now and there is mm-hmm. a threat of infringement and i think you've discussed it quite a lot in your reputation so i think that's that's the issue that you know even if my right is not being infringed just the passing of law gives me a right to challenge it i think that's an interesting aspect that we we'll want to discuss yeah so i um, in fact when i was you know filing when i was planning to file this petition one question in my head was you know that perhaps there will be an issue of locus you know as to why are you coming it should not look like a pil it should look like a petition because i didn't want it to seem like you know i'm doing you know this is for the public and all of that no it i had an objection with the fact that this potentially infringes my rights and that is why i thought of you know i wanted to see how to show that i do have a locus here so that is when i did some research on you know uh, how to you know on what basis can i in fact file a petition under article 226 and come to court saying that you know my rights have been violated so i came across a number of judgments and i have quoted them in my petition as well and they talk about the fact that look the moment that law is passed a threat exists right and the moment that threat exists now a person cannot be you know expected to wait for a notice to come down his door knocking on his door and oh then i'll rush to the court and try to stop it that's exactly what they say in fact there's some judgments on sales tax issues etc where there was no notice issued to a person no assessment was done nothing simply on the passing of those rules the court said that no the point is that there is a threat that a proceeding may take place against you you know and that by itself when that apprehension comes in the mind and knowing that it may that apprehension may be arising out of something that is patently arbitrary that is when the courts are required to step in so till the time i don't suffer something particularly should not be grounds enough to not entertain a challenge like this the moment there is a threat the moment and it's not like in fact i'd say i the fact that these rules are in place and my they are already in force right now my challenge also is that look they are reading my conversations right that's what they are allowing so that is happening already so my right is already infringed the moment it came into play right so i technically don't even need to take that shelter that you know perhaps i i am going to wait till the day my post is taken down right essentially my right is withdrawn the moment there is a surveillance over my communications so that's what i thought but i still kept it as a ground just to you know buttress that argument that look i still have a locus even though my post has never been taken down yeah uh i mean so i guess uh my question was is sort of too pronged in terms of um when you say it's it's a question of uh whether or not you as a citizen have the right to challenge uh the rules and then in my head there is a slightly separate question of whether or not um, you need your right actually to be infringed i'm just wondering if um if because in india at least um the way i understand say article 12 and article 13 
um, Article 12, which talks about state action and what constitutes uh, state action in Article 13, which is the prohibition against the violation of fundamental rights. Now, one way that I've seen a couple of Supreme Court judgments deal with this is to say that you don't actually need um, a citizen's right to be infringed because Article 13 merely says that the state shall make no law. Right. Okay. So as the, the constitutional fault is actually with the existence of a law, it's not even with the actual infringement of the right. So then, okay. like you said, you don't need to wait for something to happen because as soon as the law is passed, um, there is this a constitutional fault with that. So I was wondering if that's something that you would consider also in this in this uh, debate. So I yes, and I did consider it. I have not, in so many words, dealt with it in terms of Article Thirteen in my petition. But the way I've dealt with it is to say what I've said is that look, when you're talking about protection of fundamental rights, the obligation on the state is two pronged. There is a negative obligation, and then there is a positive obligation, right? Now, a negative obligation is obviously that the state will not create laws that violates fundamental rights, right? Which is the argument that of Article 13. You know, the fact that there is, I mean, it's it's known that the state cannot come up with laws that can violate fundamental rights. So that is that's where it covers the ground of Article 13. I felt, or I have gone one step further. And I have sent their judgments to support that ground as well. That even a positive obligation is created because, and that positive obligation is that you have to create an environment that ensures the protection of fundamental rights. It is not only that you should not violate them, but you should also create that atmosphere which prevents them from happening. Because I'll tell you one of the issues that uh, a fundamental issue that came in my mind was that it's already the case that these private intermediaries they take down posts day in day out that happens right so what has changed you know that was a question that came to my mind you know nothing has changed they still have that power they had that power earlier also they have that power even now so why a challenge you know what's gone wrong so my answer to that is clear that earlier it was unregulated there was nothing in the law that described or prescribed how the intermediaries are supposed to act. Today, when they have been regulated, they have now been given the power specifically to breach our rights. And that I feel violates the positive obligation on the state to ensure an environment that protects my rights rather than infringing them. Um, I guess I, I just have one last question uh, on that. Uh, from my side, which is that, um, so you mentioned, right, that they have been expressly empowered by the intermediary guidelines to voluntarily take down posts, which certainly would uh, would uh, infringe the ability of users to post content on the internet. So I guess my last question would be, uh, because it's the government that's regulating these intermediaries and giving them permission to, to take down posts, um, how do you see the sort of Article 19 violation? Because Article 19 and all our fundamental rights typically operate vis-a-vis -vis the state. But here it's not the government taking down our posts. Rather, it's the government empowering social media intermediaries to take down our posts. So I'm just wondering how you're bridging that gap. Yeah. 
so two arguments again one is the argument that i just gave you that there is a corresponding positive obligation that they ought not to have made a law right so that is one aspect of it and there is a second aspect of it to which uh, i i explained this before also so my my objection in the petition is limited to the fact that your categories of taking down information can only be restricted to the grounds in article 192 right now what they have done in there are two three clauses in the rules okay particularly rule 31d okay what they have done is they have gone beyond that they have said that you know so if you read them they start to look like everything that article 192 says okay but then there are there is a further you know last sentence in that rule talks about if there is any violation of any law for the time being in force right so the problem with that is a it is obviously beyond what article 192 says okay there is no such restriction secondly what is to stop the state from creating a law barring certain communications you know there's nothing to stop them so the moment they breach that sort of holy grail of what article 192 is all about the moment they breach that i feel that that needs to be curtailed so yes the private intermediaries obviously strictly speaking no rights are enforceable against them but the government must put in a mechanism to ensure that they are not given the teeth to in fact be able to do it that is where the you know crux of the petition lies i think an interesting thing to ponder to my listeners is that this discussion on you having a locus is very important because what happens in court hearings usually is that if the judge wants to dismiss your case he will try finding these technical objections like even though law is in your favor he'll find these technical objections and raise questions like you know what harm is being caused to you right now what is your locus which right is being infringed but if they want to issue a notice they'll issue a notice nonetheless so that's why that's why for our listeners very important to know that is very important to write these arguments because you don't know what the judge will actually do and how he will really perceive your petition and i think that's right. that's interesting that's a, that's why it was very interesting like i have never seen it before in a petition and i think vasun ever discussing it before that it's a very interesting line for argument to mention your petition to ensure that there is no such technical objection and i think yeah. uh, and i think that's i think what we want to ask you is something like you know how was uh, how was it arguing this case and what do you expect will happen in this case in in the future so, so in the first hearing i was fortunate enough i mean the notice was issued right the moment i started in fact so that was good i didn't really have to persuade perhaps they had already read my you know at least they had read the petition what i had filed i'm assuming so that's why they were they agreed to issue notice what i am expecting now is that the next hearing is on the 13th of september and the union of india is supposed to file their counter on the next date i am prepared to argue on the stay of these rules the bombay high court has already stayed a different part of these rules just a week ago they have stayed uh, rule 9 i believe which deals with uh, the you know the news publications etc the other part of the rules so what i am prepared to argue on the 13th is why these rules need to be stayed now till the time the government doesn't come out with an explanation of how they are going to monitor these communications and how these rules are actually going to be implemented so till the time there is no mechanism 
it largely remains arbitrary and that is something we must protect the citizens again. just to like sorry just to cut you just to tell our listeners what do you mean by issuing notice because i think that's a important step that maybe okay. some people might not know <laughs> Uh, so issuing notice simply means that the government has accepted that there is some merit in the petition and it deserves to be heard and the government also is required to respond to the allegations made in the petition. So issuance of notice simply is to ask the government to respond to all that has been raised in the petition. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't have too much else, I guess. I have one last sort of question about about the whole process that that you've undergone because um, it's very rare that you actually get to talk to a citizen who's challenged the law, and uh, I guess at some level we're all um, against arbitrary government power on our couches, but it's very different when you have to raise your voice or put put your name on a petition. Uh, yeah. So I'm just wondering, uh, sort of, if you can give us a snapshot of like what your thought process was. Uh, because many people, especially lawyers, may not necessarily want to go up against the government. Uh, so I'm just curious about that. And uh, I guess we can wrap up on that note. Yeah. So in fact, when I, I was actually planning to write a research paper, that's when I, you know, I was looking for topics to write a research paper on. And this was one of the issues that I thought was perhaps interesting. And uh, so that's when I picked up these rules and actually read them in detail you know, as to what is the extent of these rules and everything. And I had, in fact, started writing a paper. And just, you know, while writing it, I realized that, you know, when these things are so wrong, I just, in my head, I was like, these things are extremely wrong and something needs to be done about this. So that's when I thought that it may be better to convert this from an, you know, academic piece to actually do something that tries to bring about the change. So that was, I mean, that simply was the thought process. And yeah, I mean, I think no other motivation. I, I never really thought about, uh, you know, it's, it's really not about going against the government. I mean, you know, what those inclinations can be any which ways. But my thought wasn't about going against a particular government or anything of that sort. Ultimately, governments will come and go. These rules are going to remain. So my motivation came from the fact that nobody should have such unbridled powers. And ultimately, it's nothing but you affecting my conversations. In fact, some of my, I have mentioned it in my petition, it is actually true. Some of my clients are actually hesitant in discussing things. As you know, what if our conversations are being tapped? Because I deal with a lot of, you know, matters, criminal matters, etc., etc. And they're like, look, we are not comfortable discussing. So that was also something that led me to, you know, immediately challenge. I think, I think, yeah. I think that's, I think yeah. we wish you best of luck for this petition. And yeah. I think that's, that, that's, yeah, thank you. And we'll closely, yeah, I mean, closely follow this writ and we'll hopefully, hopefully it comes to something fruitful and we, let's hope so. Fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.